Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. This is Sam Witwer, and you are listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to State of the Empire. Nerdy Show's Star Wars speculation podcast where we look for news in Alderaan places. I'm your host, Cap. Hey, I'm Matt. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Tony. And oh man, the clock is ticking. The Force Awakens will be awakening within the year. Since our last episode, this will be our little title crawl. <laughs> last time the, the teaser trailer came out, but now we know what the names of the characters are via some digital trading cards. We're starting to get a little bit more of the picture of what episode seven could be all about. The rumor mill is getting very specific about plot details. Mm -hmm. So we have an awful lot to cover. We're going to be talking about everything that we know about episode seven. The Star Wars comics debuted at Marvel. We've got uh, three issues of Star Wars, two issues of Darth Vader, and one issue of Princess Leia. We'll be talking about the journey to The Force Awakens, which is actual branding that's going to be applied to a number of of books and other media tie-ins leading up to the release of this film. We're going to be talking about the season finale of Star Wars Rebels and a lot of other stuff. But don't worry, guys. If you're worried about spoilers, we're going to relegate all those for both Rebels and also the intense rumors that we have for Episode 7 to the end of the episode. So you'll be able to listen and enjoy the show all the way up to... When you can no longer listen to and enjoy the show without having everything spoiled for you. <laughs> exactly. And of course, <laughs> when we talk about Rebels... That's going to be straight up spoilers. When we talk about the rumors, we don't know. They're getting pretty intense these days. It's spoilers with a question mark. <laughs> spoilers? Well, they're really no more intense than some of the wild rumors when the project was announced. It's just now they're more specific. The, the, well, that's the thing. I mean, I think people can enjoy different levels of spoilers. Mm -hmm. If it's the story in broad strokes, it's okay. But if we're talking about the actual way that certain scenes play out, which is right. the point at which it's getting. Maybe not the whys, but the entire movies have been pretty much outlined. It's crazy. The Internet's insane these days. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure of it, too. Like, I, I kind of know how this movie is going to play out, but I actually I don't know the whys. I just know the what's. It's very strange. It's oh, man, whole, I'm like, so excited to pick your brain. Oh, man. Hundreds of thousands of voices in an echo chamber, each kind of pinging <laughs> off of each other, eventually honing down. And what used to be just a crackpot sitting in your local comic shop that nobody listened to now has hundreds of other crackpot friends. It in and of itself is a phenomenon worthy of dissection and analysis and everything else. It, it's really impressive how people have managed to put things together. I just reflecting on the way we used to piece together every little piece of Phantom Menace news, but it's just so much more accurate and complex. Like, I don't even have to do any research on my own anymore. It's just been laid out for me. It's crazy. <laughs> we live in a wiki age, Matt. 
Mm-hmm. But of course, since uh, we're the experts here at uh, State of the Empire, well, we're going to read the tea leaves to determine our own destinies. Consult the bones, if you will. <laughs> yes. I will tell you that this time around, the bones are going to tell us something. With all the information we have, I think we're going to be right about some of it. I think in this State of the Empire, we'll be able to look back on it. Maybe I could be wrong, but we're going to be able to look back on it and we're going to be like, God damn, we were fucking right. And I'll even say some crazy shit along the way, because I know I'm not normally on these, that even if we're not right, something's got to. Tony will be uh, complimenting us with uh, com- 100% incorrect information throughout the episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Lando Calrissian, <laughs> secretly a Jedi. Shit. And actually Leia's father. <laughs> that, that don't make any sense. You don't know Lando. I guess I don't. It's like we have a Jedi. All right, so let's dive right in. Episode 7 comes out December 18th of this year, and now we know who a lot of the characters from that teaser trailer are. They did these amazing digital trading cards styled after the 1977 Topps cards. They're all numbered. Abram says that there's some significance to that. I think that might just mean that that's the sequence in which those scenes happen in the film. But maybe there's something more. He does love numbers after all. He does. And I, and I think one of those laid out outlines was actually placing them into scene numbers from the script. So that is the most likely meaning to the numbers. Millions of fans all rejoice because they were confirmed. It is Darth Revan. No. Oh. Less likely than ever, though. Oh. We'll I mean, get to that, but no. The shadowy Sith figure last time we speculated could be by some crazy, crazy circumstance. Darth Revan. There were some very incriminating, seemingly legit images but uh to be determined but we now we know that character with the tri-blade lightsaber is someone called kylo ren well kylo ren being the name of the sith character doesn't mean it's not revan (laughs) because as we all know in star trek into darkness john harrison was really con (laughs) and if there's one thing jj abrams likes to do it's 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 screw with you Yeah. yeah oh okay we know that john boyega's character is called finn daisy ridley's called ray Oscar Isaac, the uh, X-Wing pilot, is uh, Poe Dameron. Nothing overwhelming outside of the names with the trading cards, though. They were all scenes from the cheeser. So The cheeser? From the cheeser. It sounded like cheeser. It did sound like cheeser. It did sound like cheeser. And and in some ways, I feel that was kind of a a Freudian slip. It is kind of of cheesy. It's just cheesy enough. It's not Uh dangerously cheesy, like Cheetos. Right. Well, I mean, their mascot is a vicious animal. So, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Star Wars Celebration is in April of this year. I don't know how many of us for sure are going to be there, but Matt, you are. Yeah, Saturday, Sunday. I unfortunately can't make the entire thing, but I'll be there. Abrams and Kennedy will appear, and uh, they said they will kick off the show in a big way. That is a quote. So the general purpose expectation there is a new trailer, one with substance. I'm beginning to think that it's going to be a cheeser for the new trailer. <laughs> I, I don't like because with Avengers and Tomorrowland right there in May, I really don't think they're going to have a new trailer that will be the same as one of those two movies will have. I mean, one of them will have it. Well, what if it debuts so. at Celebration? No one sees it. It's not on like a shitty cell phone. And then there it is in the theaters with those films. That's true. I, I, spo- I suppose they, they do a better job. And they used to with keeping those exclusives like at the conventions like, you know, the, you, we still haven't seen the Batman Superman stuff from Comic-Con. That's true. In any sort of decent way. So, yeah, maybe maybe it will just be the, the full trailer. There is a rumor. I honestly don't believe this one bit. It just seems too unreasonable for the industry. And that is that J.J. actually wants to push forward episode seven's release to summer because of how dead on some of the rumor guesses are. I think he's worried about his empire moment. You know, I am your father. That doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't because... Well, I mean, if the rumors are already out there, I don't know. Like, I, but if the film's not finished... 
Well, I think it's unlikely for myriad reasons, like, for example, how he and Kathleen Kennedy were actually pushing to release it later to begin with. And then also, let us not forget the transmedia blast that is the journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens, which is the official branding for a whole movement of books and media coming out. It's at least 20 releases that are going to chronicle what's happened between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Yeah, and you don't spend that kind of money to cut some of that off. Yeah, I think that's exactly why we can take that rumor and chuck it in the bin because it is garbage. I don't think there's any way that Disney would ever be like, no, no, Vader's his father, fine, whatever. Not it's still mention, coming out in December. We have this whole plan. Don't fuck it up for us. Not to mention, that's like holiday season. Put Star Wars in the theater, sell Star Wars toys. It's a marketing goddamn gold mine. Mm -hmm. Star Wars toys sell well on their own. With a movie around Christmas? With a whole new line that I guarantee you will be releasing at the same time? Mm -hmm. no, it's going to be insane. From September through December 18th, it is going to be absolutely mental. We're going to probably have to do weekly State of the Empires. <laughs> hey, Cap, how much do you like sleep? Oh, it's, yeah, man, when, not compared to Star Wars. <laughs> some of the stuff, they, I mean, they haven't announced the full line, but some of the stuff's pretty exciting. I mean, they have a novel coming out called Aftermath. Yeah, Star Wars Aftermath. By Chuck Wendig, which completely new, as far as I know, to, to Star Wars. And it'll be our first chance to see, like, what actually happened after Jedi. The thing about this, you know, reboot of the so-called canon is that anything prior to the end of Return of the Jedi, you can keep in place for the time being. There's nothing that's really going to say like, oh, you know what? Like, unless, you know, they completely change the way the universe works. But everything after, I mean, it's just completely blank slate. I mean, really have no idea what happened after now. I mean, that's kind of a big, you know, tall order to give to, to someone that, you know, the, the fans don't have any sort of experience with. But hey, um, I mean, you know, that's cool. And then my favorite Thing that they've announced with this uh, whole uh, journey to the Force Awakens is the reference book called Star Wars: Absolutely Everything You Need to Know. <laughs> oh boy, that is actually what it's called, and I—that's beautiful. Like, it is. It's great. And there's also Ships of the Galaxy, which I think could be cool. If, like, I'd rather it focus on the new stuff instead of the old stuff. That would be cool. Just give us a primer on like what everything looks like. There's going to be a 3PO comic series. Um, yeah, it's the first book from Marvel after... Uh, I, I don't think they're, they're releasing any new Star Wars titles between next month's Kanan, The Last Padawan, and Journey to Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Shattered Empire, which is the name of this 3PO book. Do they need any more, any more colons in that? No, they do not. I swear to fucking <laughs> God. It's weird because it's this exciting title, Shattered Empire, but according to the, all the summaries that exist, it is a story from C-3PO's perspective chronicling what happened immediately after Return of the Jedi. They've released some teaser art on StarWars.com, and it is a scene from the Ewok celebration. And then there's the series that I'm a little iffy on. There's a young adult Lost Stars novel, and it's about yeah. two, two characters that find themselves on the opposite sides of the war. Star-crossed lovers and, yeah, you know. It, it's not guaranteed post-Jedi. might be a little bit post-Jedi. And it is that whole Star-crossed lovers archetype thing. The description reads, This thrilling young adult novel gives readers a macro view of the most important events in the Star Wars universe from the rise of the Rebellion to the fall of the Empire. Which is interesting. It's part of a series of books that are coming out. That's the only one that's, that's definitively young adult. But there's a series of, uh, of books all released on September 4th, which is when this media blitz starts. Smuggler's Run, a Han Solo adventure written by Greg Rucka. Um, the Weapon of a Jedi by Jason Fry, which is a Luke story. And Moving Target, a Princess Leia adventure by Cecil Castellucci. All of those take place between A New Hope and Empire. But they, all their descriptions end with the same tagline. 
Hidden in the story are also clues and hints about the upcoming film, Star Wars The Force Awakens, making this a must-read for fans old and new. Now, out of curiosity, is there a follow-up to Moving Target called Stay on Target, The Porkin Story? (laughs) (laughs) We can only hope and pray. I'm just saying, I would buy that book. All these stories sound fun. They're all sort of Splinter of the Mind's Eye era Star Wars stories. So, classic shit. Yeah. as it were. And, and I'm really excited about the Greg Rucka one because he's a great comics author. He's done a lot of novels in the past as well with media tie-ins. And no, I mean, even judging by the titles, it sounds like something that would give us a look into these characters' perspective that we haven't seen in the new, in the new continuity. Obviously, any Han Solo smuggling title is going to be fun. The idea of Luke looking at the, the weapon of a Jedi and kind of growing to know his lightsaber, because especially with the old EU stuff, and Matt, you can back me up on this, the relationship between a Jedi and his lightsaber was a very deep and personal one. That we never really got to see mm-hmm. Luke have. This yeah. is it's actually maybe the most compelling description. Luke, 3PO, and R2-D2 are stranded on a mysterious planet, and it explores Luke's first ever duel with a lightsaber. Shit. I really, 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 really expect whoever he's dueling to be some sort of character in the new film. I mean, if each one is laying hints for the new movie, that first duel has got to be a big deal, I would think, right? I would hope so. And it's interesting because this also takes place in the same time period that is being explored by all of the Marvel comics, except for the Kanan book. Mm -hmm. There's a great quote from this guy from Disney, Andrew Sugarman. He says, uh, all these stories that are being concocted for the journey, and I assume the Marvel books as well, have been shrouded in secrecy and their production has, quote, required one clandestine society of authors to form a bond with another hush-hush society of screenwriters. Oh, very nice. But does that mean that they're getting watered down because of, like, forcing things into a timeline? Maybe. We could be witnessing, like, the first half of the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. going on with these Star Wars books a little bit. Right, holding the line, stalling, until they actually get to burst open. With the new Star Wars titles, I love Jason Aaron, I love Kieran Gillen, I love Mark Wade. These books are fun, they're decent, they're not great. They're maybe a little too campy for original trilogy era Star Wars. I mean, I've, I've read all of them. I'd say the Vader books so far have been the strongest in terms of a character study. I'd agree with that. Just because it's anytime that you get to kind of peek behind that that Shogun mask of Darth Vader, it's, it's interesting to see his inner workings. Not all of it makes sense, but it's still fun. The Leia book, and I love Mark Wade. I really love Mark Wade, and this reads like a sorority book. This is not helped by the fact that the art is so bad. It's not bad on a fundamental level. But it doesn't fit at all. The Star Wars, why? And Star Wars itself is like, if you've been listening to Save the Empire, you know good and well that we were big fans of Brian Wood's Star Wars series at Dark Horse that happened right before Dark Horse lost the rights to publish Star Wars books. And it took place in this exact time period and used a lot of the same plot points that all three of these books collectively are borrowing from in a lot of ways. They're also logical plot points following the events of A New Hope. But... The thing is, though, is that Brian Wood's book had a certain element of... Uh, nuance. Yeah, nuance and a level of realism while still capturing like all the wild fun of Star Wars. Yeah. What you would never see in Brian Wood's book, for example, was Luke, Han, Leia, R2-3PO, Chewbacca, immediately following the explosion of Death Star, all go to the planet where the Empire produces almost all of their vehicles and doing a... Let's go and blow this up, just us guys, even though the Empire totally wants us dead. So, so it's supposed to be an overconfident move, but it's just completely illogical. And also Vader was there, why and, not? Yeah, and Vader shows up, and then Han hijacks an Imperial Walker, and Luke's on a speeder bike, and antics, 
Oh my god. Remember all these things you love about Star Wars? They're all in this book. And it's a lot of fun, but it's also just like ridiculous. Invaders maybe overpowered. He force chokes a guy in orbit. Like there's a guy wow, I missed. in a Star Destroyer who tells him something and he's on the ground. He tells him something he doesn't want to hear and all Vader hears over the comm after like, you know, looking really oh, grim. Wow. Just force choking the guy. Wait, wait, didn't Vader choke somebody in Empire Strikes Back? Like he choked uh, Admiral Ozzel from like a different ship. I think Vader was on the, the Executor. And where was Ozzel? Was Ozzel on the Executor? Yeah, I think they were both on the same ship, but he didn't do it over the comm. But, but I mean, hey, that's, the car- that's closer than the surface of a planet. It's the cartoon equivalent of reaching your hand through a telephone line and punching somebody. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. But, but Vader, al- yeah, Vader also took down a walker by himself. Yeah, just wha- by walking up to it, but, and, and, he was just and like whapping it with his lightsaber. It read like a fanfic in a way, which Nick I Lane, feel like out of all the ones that I looked through, Vader especially talks too much. The thing I liked about the Brian Wood approach to Vader was that Vader literally would walk into a room and then everybody would start pointing fingers at each other. Like, the way other people reacted to Vader made Vader's presence stronger. Whereas these kind of feel like Vader needs to do something to have a presence. These books collectively or have the Empire treating Vader like such a beaten dog and so obsolete that he doesn't carry any weight anymore. And yet he still goes around killing everybody. But I don't know. It's just, Though it doesn't ex- feel right. To an extent, that is the Vader we're supposed to see. The idea of Vader is that they shouldn't treat him seriously. With the rest of the way the rest of the galaxy treats the Force, Vader shouldn't be respected as any more than a, a general well, close to the Emperor. Right, but in the Brian Wood version, you see all the underlings respect him out of fear, not out of like true respect for the Force or anything mm-hmm. like that. And you get the same beaten dog storyline with the way the Emperor treats Vader, but that's the only person Vader cannot intimidate. And it's so much that he can't even think about hurting the Emperor because that would blow the whole operation. So there was an interesting Again, it, struggle. Again, it, com- it comes back to nuance. It comes yeah. back to nuance on the way that Wood handled it. And it's not necessarily a fair comparison because we don't know that any of these people read Brian Wood's book at all. Mm-hmm. But, well, and Brian Wood's book should not have an influence on what they want to do with it either. No, but at the same time, I honestly think in spite of my love for that series, I think that some of this would have for sure come off as cartoonish by comparison. And yeah. Star Wars is an all-ages affair, but it's also something that I should be able to respect and, and not ever think, oh man, that's too goofy, which is where the prequels, you know, went wrong. One of the many ways, anyway. It's, it, I feel kind of bad for these books to have come out after the Brian Wood book. Oh yeah, because <laughs> it just didn't stand a chance. I don't, I don't think we would necessarily have the same opinion of them that we do True. had that book not come along. And so deftly, just in the first issue, woven the idea of Leia weeping for her planet, the idea of Leia being this it, master of you know, subterfuge. It's like it packed a bigger punch because it was all under one title. Whereas here, you separate them into different titles. Leia gets her own, Vader gets his own, mainline Star Wars stuff, and then we're going to get, for crying out loud, a 3PO one. They're taking these things that, under one title, you cram it all in there, so there's always something interesting happening on every page. But when you split them all up, maybe on their own. Star Wars is an ensemble experience. It's, it's an ensemble film. So you split up everybody, it's kind of like, well, what's Leia doing by herself? And I guess that's kind of and interesting. And the book Star Wars is an ensemble book, but at the same time, it's not tackling these character threads at all that have been relegated to the other titles. How much of that is because that's the way Marvel likes to do things with all of their characters? Or is it a business mandate where it's like, I, I don't know. We, we must meet this three separate comics under the one banner here, and then you must do this spinoff later here. It's really hard to say, because certainly Marvel does do that, but... Vader's ongoing. Leia's a limited series. It's probably going to get replaced with something when, as soon as it ends, which might be the, the, the 3PO, 3PO series, book. which is maybe unfair to call it a 3PO series because it sounds like it's supposed to be like have a lot of gravity as it's post-Return of the Jedi, but that's how it's been described. 
I guess what I'm saying in sort of a long-winded sort of way by reviewing these comic books is it makes me concerned for all the things that are going to start coming out in September because especially the ones that are representing the adventurous time period of Star Wars between A New Hope and Empire. Everyone knows that that's where all the rebel hijinks happen. That's where all the character growth happens until they have to mature and deal with the shit that happens in Empire and Jedi. And that's a great point. Mm -hmm. There should be those kind of stories there. But if Marvel, with this incredible talent, can't even pull it off, and maybe they're having some editorial issues with you know, the story group, I don't know. I'm concerned for the overall quality of them putting out this glut of material in September. I'd, I'd still give it a shot, because ultimately I feel this like... This is State of the Empire, Tony. We're going to give it all a shot. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. But, um, I mean, these are the first few issues of a book, and these are writers that have proven themselves in countless other titles. So I am definitely going to keep picking up all these books and seeing where they're going to go, even though Dodson's art makes me want to vomit. But I did realize something that by having this Princess Leia book and the events that happen in it with R2 being with Leia as they go traipsing off through the galaxy, R2 is the new Wolverine. He's going to be on four different teams at once. Nobody's going to know where he is in the timeline. It'll be fixed in the trades. Jesus. As far as the novels go, from what I understand, there are hints of a loose thread tying them all together. And that I actually do think is going to end up tying into maybe not directly tying into Force Awakens, but they're ever so slightly hinting towards the idea of super weapons, whether it's obviously the Tarkin novel and then Rebels has had its small hints. And I really think our group of Rebels is going to have a lot to do with the construction of Death Star and the stealing of the plans. Yeah, for Um, sure. And I think it's all going to end up leading into the idea of, based on a lot of rumors that I'm reading, that Force Awakens will involve super weapons as well. Third Death Star. I don't think a Death Star. (laughs) What kind of super weapon could you possibly have that tops the Death Star? Once again, that kind of ties into the whole, I keep on hearing what's going to happen, but I'm not hearing why. Surprisingly, Force Awakens sounds very small scale, but in a good way. And uh, I have a feeling that the future movies are going to get much bigger scale. What if the secret weapon is the Star Forge? <laughs> God, don't even joke. <laughs> it's you know, totally I... Darth Revan. That's <laughs> 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 what it is. That's what you need to take away. Confirmed. Darth Revan, Star Forge. I told <laughs> you. Did I not tell you? Tony, Tony was, was right. His... Tony was right. Right now we're going to cut to a track. And when we get back, we're going to dig into uh, exactly what's been going on with Rebels as well as uh, Episode 8 and the recently renounced Rogue One spinoff film. This is something by Eclectic Method, a.k.a. Johnny Wilson. He's a remixer specializing in pop culture sampling. He's worked alongside Brian Eno, had his music on the Colbert Report, and now he's mixing it up with two Star Wars remixes on this episode of State of the Empire. This first one? Well, it's about droids. Programming to impersonate a dare type. I do believe 
Obviously, this year, State of the Empire, we got our work cut out for us. Like, from September onward, it might behoove us to do, like, a weekly show, for all we know. That's, of course, a lot more than we can take on. I've still got Celebration coming up. Yeah. Some more Star Wars weekends, possibly. Yeah, we need to go monthly. What we need to do in order to go monthly is we need your help, dear fans, listeners, maybe friends of fans and listeners, (laughs) anybody who has a a vested interest in the State of the Empire machine. We got a Patreon. The Nerdy Show Network does at uh, patreon.com slash nerdy show. And we're working towards a milestone of getting $1,000 a month. And what that will enable us to do is hire more editors, which will in turn allow us to make State of the Empire not just monthly, but monthly and its own show. Right now, State of the Empire always occupies a nerdy show slot. Like this is nerdy show episode 213. But really, we want it to be State of the Empire episode 12. And we just want to straight up do State of the Empire as a monthly show, or even more so as needed, given the intensity of this year. But uh, we're going to need your help in order to be able to do that, to be able to handle the output for that. We want to make State of the Empire a standalone show. We want to bring back Nerdy Show Book Club and make it a standalone show on a regular schedule. We want to bring back Pokeballs of Steelix. So bad. And put it on a regular schedule, and uh, also Atomic Robo Nuts and Bolts. We're going to be pursuing all these as soon as we can, maybe even before we hit that $1,000 goal, working up to it. But in order for us to guarantee that we can pay editors to take on this workload... Help us, Patreon supporters. You're our only hope. So head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow. Even a dollar gets you all kinds of bonus perks. Our perk archive, actually, featuring a lot of the outtakes from State of the Empire, as well as access to early releases of any show on the Nerdy Show Network. If we get a hold of it early, if it gets like submitted to us for publication early, then you guys see it first. Then at $5... You get access to the Microsode or Nerdy FM raffles where you can either tell us what to talk about for a 15-minute episode or... Tell us what to listen to. Yeah, curate your own 30-minute song block on Nerdy FM. But also, there's new perks every single month, all month long. All kinds of awesome stuff. So please do check it out. If you love State of the Empire, give us money if you can. Let us know. But we're going to get back to the action right now and uh, talk about episode 8. Now, we don't know too much about it yet, aside from what we already knew, which is that it's written and directed by Rain Johnson of Brick and... Looper. Looper, yeah. Uh, But we have a date now. Star Wars is returning to May, May 26th, 2017. Which is only two years away, which means Ryan is probably already writing the script. Is it Ryan? It's spelled crazy. It's spelled R-I-A-N. It's pronounced I've also heard it pronounced Rain. I've always heard it as Ryan Johnson. Well, episode eight, 
in May, Mr. Johnson. 2017. Mr. Johnson, yeah. <laughs> I am really looking forward to it, and I'm kind of hoping that Joseph Gordon-Levitt gets a part. He's been in everything else that Johnson's done. <laughs> we'll see. But the big news is Rogue One. We finally have one of the Star Wars spinoff films announced, and it's coming out December 16th, 2016. And despite what you may have heard on the internet, this is not the first Star Wars spinoff film. Respect, Ewoks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're not part of the canon right i mean yeah that, not anymore they done taken with goodbye they are it's, it's, until they're not now rogue one was it wedge on hoth who had the rogue two call sign it was wedge if you go to wikipedia there's a whole list of people who've used rogue two as their call sign but among them is wedge so who's rogue one rogue two is uh, during hoth is listed as zev seneska Rogue Leader or Rogue One was a title call sign given to the commander of the Rebel Alliance. But is that canon anymore? I don't know. It's more going off like aeronautical stuff with pilots and fighter squadrons, which is exactly how I hope they make this movie. Mm -hmm. I want to see this about a fighter squadron. It doesn't need to be a Star Wars film. Well, it we needs did, to be we, a fighter squadron we, movie. We did it. see the new X-Wings in the teaser. Uh-huh. And they were some of the most exciting stuff. Yeah, so I'm assuming they're going to really push forward on that. There's probably a uh, Rogue Squadron in the future of some I kind. Mean, I think that there's a very good likelihood that this movie is a sequel, direct sequel, to Episode Seven. I don't yeah. think it's going to be a prequel. Or it could be. It could easily be like, you love that character, here's the backstory. That could happen. And it could involve, uh, of course, uh, Oscar Isaac's character, Poe Dameron. That's totally possible. They also announced that uh, it's Felicity Jones starring in it. And I think it would be cool if Rogue Leader was a female in that time period. I'd be so down with that. All I really want out of this movie, aside from awesome Star Wars stuff, is really intense aerial and interspatial dogfights. Mm. Very importantly, video game tie-ins. Oh, yes. <laughs> Bring back Rogue Squadron. Bring Factor 5 out of being a shuttered studio. I think it's shuttered. Either way, we miss you, Factor 5. I miss you, Rogue Squadron. It's directed by Gareth Edwards. We finally know what he's up to, and that's the guy who does Monsters and Godzilla, as well as Godzilla 2, which is happening after this film. And the current version of the script is written by Chris Weitz, who actually doesn't have a very sparkling backlog of script work. In fact, my favorite thing in the list of things he's done was Ants. Otherwise, he did The Golden Compass, which was not a very good adaptation at all, and uh, the recent Cinderella, which I have no relationship with, but obviously that's a big bonus in Disney's book. The script was originally written by Gary Whitta, who was unfortunately, I mean, fired is apparently a strong word. Yeah. He wrote his draft, and then they pull in somebody else. But he's the guy who is responsible for the Book of Eli and the first season of Telltale's Walking Dead. Um, Ooh. He, uh, he wrote the first draft of the film, and he also named it Rogue One. But getting uh, another screenwriter on there doesn't necessarily have to mean anything bad. That happens all the time. As it has been publicized, when StarWars.com said, oh, the movie's called Rogue One, they're like, the movie, directed by Gareth Edwards, written by Chris Weitz. So, Witt is not even a part of that conversation anymore. Whatever he did was in an early stage so much so they're not even crediting him in publicity. Mm -hmm. which, isn't, um, which, again, isn't too out of the ordinary. No, it's, like it's not. It's, it's Hollywood. What is odd is that it was originally reported that Kinsberg was taking over for him. So maybe there's a disconnect between when they're talking about this first spinoff film and the second spinoff film. It's possible. But right now, Witt is adapting Mark Miller's Starlight, which is super cool. That's a Flash Gordon-style story. The idea for Rogue One came from John Null, an Academy Award-winning visual effects supervisor. I'm going to get my dogfights. He was CCO at uh, ILM. He's the executive producer of the film, and uh, he's also there with some other folks who've done some really good special effects movies like Tintin, Dark Knight Rises. 
So Ooh. this is this could be an interesting film because it sounds like it's been designed just to be an effects film, and they have Gareth Edwards. Who's known for being an effects guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Even just X-Wings in general, because all of it's going to have to be VFX. CG. Yeah, VFX. Mm. So it just makes sense. You get people who are used to VFX Which involved. Just, remember what I said I wanted out of this movie? It sounds like I'm going to get it. Christmas <laughs> has come early. Woo! Making Star Wars reported before Rogue One was announced that Breaking Bad's Aaron Paul was attached to the first Star Wars spinoff. At the time, everyone thought the first spinoff was going to be young Han Solo. So now that it's not, does that mean that, that that was part of the Young Han Solo project? Or does that mean that he's actually in Rogue One? Was it ever officially said that he was attached? No. Well, then no one's mentioned him in all this time since then. So is it even still a valid rumor? It could be. That one got a lot of traction, and I don't know why. Maybe just because everybody likes Breaking Bad. Yeah, And Aaron much. Paul. But let's move then to the next spinoff, which all the rumor mills have basically held aloft that it will be Young Han Solo. I don't know if everybody actually actually wants that. I don't want that. But maybe the rest of the world does. I don't know. Or if simply that just is a better headline. But the strongest rumor for it actually being a thing is that StarWars7News.com reported from Visceral that they were working on a game about Han Solo. And the quote is, the programmers are working on the informed guesstimation that it's either a prequel game to the first spinoff film or maybe an actual tie-in game. Hmm. Now, as much as... It could be a disaster. There's a lot in the previous canon history of Han Solo that would be interesting to see. His time at the Imperial Academy could be in a nice little backdoor to bring Dash Rendar back into things. If which, they could get Harrison Ford to do voice work. Just saying. I mean, that would be, that would be pretty slick. It's interesting what we've heard about so far. Josh Trank of Chronicle and Fantastic Four is one of the spinoff directors. We don't know what he's doing yet. It's likely that this is the one he's doing. Seems to do teenage as well, which would tie into a young Han Solo film. Yeah, and uh, now UK tabloids are the worst, you guys. It doesn't get much worse than them. Mm. But The Sun says Ugh. that Kingsman's Taron Egerton is being eyed for Han. And I'd be down with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he carried himself very well in Kingsman. I could see him doing that. I can't currently picture him speaking in anything. But that kind of why it sounds like he's talking like a fucking thing down in here. So I can't picture him I don't know Han what his actual that. accent is. Neither do I, because I've only ever seen him doing that. So I picture him going, Oi, Chopper, what the fuck's you on about? <laughs> the one piece of clout that that rumor has is Mark Miller, writer of Kingsman and Kick-Ass, tweeted, Trank shot first, hashtag just saying. <laughs> so. All right. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, then. Again, I'd be interested to see it. It sounds like it could be fun. I mean, our living holocron, Matt, what do you have to say on the matter? I don't know. I it hurts me because one of, one of my favorite EU material is is AC Crispin's Han Solo trilogy. At the end of the day, I don't care what happened to Han Solo before A New Hope. I don't either. Nothing about what's come before interests me at this point. Thirty years later, honestly, what's the last film prequel that anyone has really said? Oh, I'm really really happy I got to see that. Like people went ecstatic for it. Hobbit didn't do well. Star Wars didn't do well. Like. I mean, I guess flashbacks are cool. I mean, Godfather Part 2, that was received well. The question then also becomes, was that because they were prequels or because they were bad stories? Well, the question is, how do you make a prequel a good story when you already know how things are going to end before the story even begins? Well, you like, can where's, know the... Where, where's the dramatic tension when you know Han Solo and Chewie are going to make it out of this alive? By introducing other elements, by introducing other characters. Other so you introduce a new Han Solo girlfriend... And it's like, oh, she's in mortal peril. Is she going to live or is she going to die? 
Well, well I don't you. really care because I don't care about her later. You know, it's like she 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 could live or die. It doesn't change the story that comes later. Well, let me ask you this. You've seen Bond movies. You know, yeah. Bond's going to survive to the end of the film because he's Bond. Does it remove the enjoyment that you get out of the film? Does well, it remove no, the quality it, it of the story? It is a very different kind of story with a Bond film. I see what you're saying. You could put a Bond element to like a Han Solo adventure film if it is other characters. But Han Solo isn't really a guy who goes out and writes wrongs. Like, Bond doesn't have to change because the world around him is broken. Bad guys are on the loose. They have to be stopped. That's what Bond does. Han Solo's more of like, I don't give a shit about all of you. <laughs> like, I, I don't, why doesn't he give a shit? I don't care. Yeah, I, yeah, I, don't, I really don't care. That's what makes him cool. Yeah. I don't want to learn how he went from being... He was tortured. It's yeah. Gonna, it's like, if it's like, oh, he was totally a nice guy, but the, then he had a girlfriend who was The last thing I want to and... read is the Han Solo diaries. I don't want to read the diaries of fucking any of these characters. I want to see them in their prime doing and, stuff. I mean, I don't mind prequels from the standpoint of set up this universe, but don't set it up with the same characters. Boba Fett is truly know, the only just... acceptable option here. He wears a mask, so you don't have to worry about the actor difference, really. And... You don't know anything about him officially, so there's all kinds of cool stories you can tell. He it's, makes money. He is like an aggressive instigator of a story. He's he is the Bond kind of guy. He has all the freaking gadgets. Yeah, you give him a bounty, go take this person down. He goes and he does it. I could see and, a heist film with Boba yeah. Fett, and I, it wouldn't ruin anything. It wouldn't yeah. skew any, even if it made me care a little bit more about him, I, which I don't necessarily want. Right. It would still be okay. The only thrown out rumors of these spinoff films that have interested me in any way was the Death Star plans heist film. And that to me is not a, a prequel in the sense of like, you know, I don't want to see Leia. I don't want to see Han. I don't want to say like, but they said, you know, a group of bounty hunters like, oh, you know, Star Wars Galaxy clearly has a bounty hunter problem. <laughs> <laughs> and like that is a part of society there. Show me that. Like, that's cool. That's different. That's, you know, like, I don't consider that a prequel in the sense of how did this character that we Actually, people say like, you know, oh, we don't know Han that well. It's like, yeah, we don't know his history, but we do know him pretty well. Yeah, you know, we know who what he to is. expect from. We know the kind of lines he's going to give us. It's hard to explain, but Han as a character is fine the way he is. I don't need to know his backstory. I don't need to have any character growth. And because if I'm not expecting any character growth, I'm not expecting to see a, an emotional backstory that explains why he is the way he is. But when you have someone like Boba Fett, who's Where? <laughs> Boba Fett, what? he's a blank slate. He has no face. Well, over a Boba Fett movie, I would actually like to see a Jabba the Hutt rise as like a Godfather type film. Well, more like Scarface, actually. You really want that? And I want the poster to be the Scarface poster, the black and white thing, <laughs> but I just want it to be Jabba. I... It's not going to make any sense. It's going to be a blur, oh, like a blob. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so, word on the street is that uh, the original cut of Star Wars Trilogy on Blu-ray is still happening. We heard rumors of it a while back, but it's going to happen prior to The Force Awakens hitting theaters, and uh, sources report the reason there's no release date yet is that Disney, they're rushing to get it done so much so they actually can't confirm any kind of release date. I heard another article that said that that rumor was a bunch of shit, yeah. and that Disney can't release unaltered versions of the original trilogy until George Lucas is dead. Wow. What we're hearing is kill George Lucas. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it was... Doug a, is telling it, you to kill George Lucas. It was a highly speculative article, but it posed some interesting points that said, you know, we don't know the details about when George signed over the original films. We don't know anything about the... Because they haven't released any other box sets or anything like that. You know, nothing officially under Disney. And, and on top of not having any date or even an official announcement saying that this is something they're going to do... Wouldn't Disney announce this, even if it was three years away? And someone pointed out in this article that, well, you know, it wouldn't be too crazy if George wanted the special editions 
to be the canon version. And when he sold it over to Disney, Disney said, okay, that's the canon version. That's it. And we're not allowed to release the original unaltered editions until after uh, George Lucas uh, expires. And then you can only release them as like a bonus as like film history nerds. Check this out. But in terms of what is officially canon, because they did a clean slate, they want no confusion. Special edition has to be the final version. Well, I think that's probably true that special edition is the final version. I don't believe for a second that Disney would overwrite what the creator of Star Wars. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Who's still living would do, but I don't think releasing these films as fans want them is also overriding anything. No, not so much an overwrite, but definitely it's an interesting question. George Lucas's will probably states that when he dies, he has to be put on a funeral pyre, just like, uh, you know, <laughs> basically in the California Redwoods, like Endor. Yep. But it's on top of all of the copies of the original versions of the film. Or and, and the holiday he special. Yes, lit on fire. Because <laughs> we yeah, don't know where the special. <laughs> film does burn well. Thanks to Max Acree for the heads up about this particular note. And uh, also, this is a big deal, guys. You've got a couple days lead time to act on this. So I hope you're listening to this currently. If you live in the UK, it is morally imperative that you take advantage of this. Secret Cinema, the guys behind the interactive, near full-scale recreation of Hill Valley from Back to the Future, one of our top 20 nerdy things of the year last year, they are doing Empire Strikes Back. Whereas Hill Valley was a two-week-long installment, this is lasting from June through August. Well, the beginning of August anyway. And it sounds like it's going to be huge. They are, quote, seeking rebels from around the world to join the Rebel Alliance and head to a secret city where they'll be taken on a journey through the world of Star Wars. Uh, I uh, can't fly back to England to do another one of these things just now. But maybe you live there already or you can. And if so, we want you to do this. And then you should reach out to us because we'll interview you about your experience on the show. So just putting that out there. Tickets go on sale Wednesday, March 18th. Do what you have to do. I even said, Cap, couldn't we just steal some Stormtrooper costumes and sneak in? (laughs) Doug, I think you're a little short for a Stormtrooper. Oh, the uniform. (laughs) You know what time it is right now? Is it? Oh my god, I haven't been here for one of these in forever. <laughs> Is it time for Willow Watch? It's time for Willow Watch. What? Willow. Willow. I swear we're going to do our All Willow episode soon, but that's another thing that we need the Patreon for so we can afford to edit the All Willow episode. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. to you before 2017. Yeah, right. It's going to happen. But here's what happened between last episode and this episode, Willow-related, and it's pretty fucking cool. Hit me. Have you ever heard of something called Nerd Block? No. It's like Loot Crate. But in this case, in the December 2014 edition of Nerd Block, every box came with a 
I guess, lithograph of this very nice illustration of Mad Mardigan and Willow standing next to each other with this band at the bottom that had the symbol. Like, it bears the mark of Alora Dannon <laughs> below it. Really great looking lithograph. We'll link to where you can see pictures of this. And everybody got one that was either signed by Val Kilmer or Warwick Davis. Whoa. Yeah. Had I known, oh my God, had yeah. I known. Wow. No, I'd have, I'd yeah. We would have several of them hanging in the studio <laughs> if, we, if we had only known. Listeners, if you have one of these and you would like to donate it to Nerdy Show, please email cap at nerdyshow.com. We, we will accept donations. There's, there's a couple Val Kilmers on eBay right now. No Warwick Davises, weirdly. Because um, well, he is Willow, you know. Let, let's also face it. Nobody looks at what Warwick Davis is now and says, that's a marshmallow version of what I used to watch. Hey, you shut your <laughs> hole. Val Kilmer's trimmed up nicely, and someday he's going to come to your house, and he's going to have your woman, and he's going to kick your ass. <laughs> and you know what? And you I will, like it. You will, I like actually, it. You will I actually, thank him. I will. I will. Because I have loved him in everything I've seen him in, but I have to admit, he's looking a little Pillsbury. He's an he actor. will tear you in twain. <laughs> Love you, Val Kilmer. That's actually all I have for Willow Watch. It's still good. Does this graduate us from, from Disappearing Pig? It, you know, it's in December, it was Willow's 26th anniversary. That's not necessarily worth celebrating. Why would NerdBlock do that? Why would NerdBlock put any of this together? Who made this happen? I don't know. I don't know to what this was owed, and it was really, really cool. So what does it mean? What level mm. of Willow Watch awareness should we be at for when maybe a Willow sequel will come our way? I think Rock Dove is, is a decent one because the Rock Dove, it appears suddenly and then it flies away. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so Rock, we have been graduating yeah. to Rock Dove. And I just got to say, this does crack me up that our, our Willow Watch scale seems to be more stringent in its requirements than the Terror Alert scale. Oh, <laughs> you, you, you know, I ain't back. screwing around with Willow. I ain't screwing around with Willow Watch. Well, with terrorism, much screwing around. <laughs> It might be much like a rock dove, a flash in the pan, but here we are, nonetheless. Collective unconscious. Yeah. You gotta follow the way the bird's flying. Willow awareness is real. It is happening, and Disney has the power to do something about it. So I'm still holding on. And there's absolutely nothing that's happened that has discouraged me. In fact, it has only encouraged me. Yeah. Crazier things have happened. Yeah. Absolutely. Thus ends Willow Watch. Before we... <laughs> Thank you. I don't get to say it enough. I'm never on these things. Before we cut to our next song break and then go into full-blown spoiler mode, we got to give our monthly shout-outs to all the awesome people who donate $10 or more on Patreon. And a couple folks sent in their own specific shout-outs for us. It's the Krugers again, isn't it? No, no, no. The Krugers designer shout-outs are done via standalone support, not oh, okay. via subscription to Patreon. They go to nerdyshow.com support and contribute individually. Gotcha. The way you get a shout out on Nerdy Show where, you, where we'll say whatever you've told us is one of two ways. Either one, you give us a standalone donation, which is what the Krugers do, or two, you donate $10 or more where we will say whatever you want us to say on your personal platform for that sort of thing once a month. We are your voice puppets. Yes. And in this case, Mannypedia says, I want to say that I still make it a priority to listen to your shows and use Amazon through your link whenever I buy whatever I find. I would also like to say that the Nerdy Show Network has made the past three years of my life so much funnier, and I always try to spread the word about all the great shows you do, from Dungeons and Doritos, favorite of all time, to Friday Night Fan Fiction, new favorite. I appreciate the effort you put into these shows, and will always throw what little extra cash I have towards you. Always do what you do, and never let anything fall to your path. Sincerely, a supporter of the greatest network ever. That's really sweet. Yeah. Oh my god. That's really nice. Wow. Hug me, dog. That is really nice. I'm like, well, you didn't write it. <laughs> it's an emotional moment. 
Manny, thank you so much. This is why we do this stuff. Yeah, for real. We felt that in the heart, yo. Also, an important reminder about Amazon. Uh, if you buy any of the stuff through our Amazon links, we'll be linking to a ton of the, the Star Wars books, media, and so on in this episode. It all gives back to Nerdy Show. So if you can't support us on a regular basis, but you do shop on Amazon, and I'm pretty sure you might, then if you just go to nerdyshow.com slash Amazon, follow our links through to Amazon on the store, add stuff to your cart, buy it that way, we'll get a cut of the profits. Awesome. Everybody wins. Woo! Chief of Stuff, he has a very interesting request here. He wants me, specifically, to say an unpopular opinion I have about something in nerd culture that I haven't had the right platform to say before. You may have noticed that um, we don't have really many episodes on Nerdy Show about Doctor Who. Flame On covers Doctor Who quite a bit, and we actually have a Doctor Who microsode that's uh, long gestating that we're going to do. And I'm bursting at the seams to be on that one. Yeah, and oh. I, think, I think Doug shares my opinion on this. I fucking hate Doctor Who. I think, Ooh, snap! I think it's for babies. He said it! The I, 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 have, I have a question about this, though. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to clarify if you're talking about the whole series from 50s or whenever it started, or if you're just talking about the current. Iteration. I have no relationship with the earlier stuff. I'm talking about David Tennant to current. The older gotcha. stuff seems really respectable, and I watched the Eccleston series, and I enjoyed it, and some of the early Tennant stuff was really good, too. But what it did was it, it insults its audience, honestly. Like, if you're still watching Doctor Who and you feel that show respects you, you're wrong. It thinks you're a moron. It leads plot threads around like you have no intuition whatsoever. And what's worse is it tells you what's important. It doesn't honestly make you feel things. It says, this is important. This is really important. This is an emotional imperative. It didn't matter two scenes ago, but right now. Um, Cap, how do you really feel about this? I think it's a very, it's a really poorly written show, and I have no idea how it's so popular. Hopefully, you haven't turned this episode off. Well, we'll have to discuss it further on the Doctor Who microsode. Yeah. Because there will be, to be transparent, there will be people on both sides of the table for the yeah, Doctor that, Who and Those who don't understand it, those who are fanatics, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. That's half the reason we haven't done it yet, because there's a lot of people who want to throw down on it for many reasons, and we're kind of yeah. trying to figure out how to make it who, work. Who would be the best people to be on it, because everybody wants a piece of it. See, I will see, bring I my like Sonic the sh- I like the show a lot, but I completely agree with you, Cap, and it <laughs> infuriates me. So, like, I will spend an hour after each episode ends basically saying the same thing as you, and yet I still enjoy the show for various reasons. I love what it could be. It can be so creepy and so funny and so quirky and weird and all the things that everybody probably loves about Doctor Who. I see where it has been in the past and what it could be and then it drops the ball consistently and I think that even people who love Doctor Who will blame the same person and that's Moffat and he's a bag of shit and should be <laughs> set on fire Damn, and, and smashed on a doorstep. But yeah. It's getting dark, man. I, was gonna say, I hated all three Matt Smith years and I only watched it for Karen Gillan. But I really thoroughly enjoyed last season. Man, I hope that was uh, uh, unpopular <laughs> enough. Anyone still yeah. listening? <laughs> Tony's hissing. How'd I do, yeah, Chief? Tony, Tony is, <laughs> is very stung by this. <laughs> it's for babies. It's a I've show never, for I have never for in my life. Wah, Cap. <laughs> never. <laughs> fucking wah. I have never in my life ever seen Tony at a loss for words. <laughs> Partially because I'm in the same argument as Matt, where I can't necessarily defend any of the things that's been going on. <laughs> However, I do really enjoy Moffat's episodes. I don't know if any of the rumors what? that are going around him are substantiated. Some of his writing is the problematic. Rumors, the rumors of him pa- being a complete bag of shit are completely <laughs> unfounded. 
However, there is some legitimacy to some of his problems writing women. However, I feel that sometimes it's being taken out of context. But this is a discussion to have on the Doctor Who Microsoft. Oh, and, and I, also, I think I can guarantee goddamn tea, it is not going to be a microsode. There's just no way. There's too much at stake here. Well, emotionally, critically. It's going to start as 15 minutes, but then wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, you know. <laughs> if it's a two parter, can we release the second part first? And then. <laughs> <laughs> yes no it's gonna be an editing nightmare and i doubt it's gonna happen but i would love for it to be aired out of order with the tardis sound effect as an edit oh no no <laughs> i just can't do that to people i just can't i respect you unlike doctor who so i'm not gonna do that but we got other shout outs matt, we gotta matt, give yeah, hold yeah, me yeah. back hold me back matt you're in another state via skype hold me back <laughs> all right let's get these shout outs going first up we've got dr talos eric maxiner as opposed to Eric Minimer. You know, I'm going to let that one go. That one's a good one, Tony. <laughs> and then we got Joshua Westfall. He's a guy. I'm falling for Joshua Westfall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brian Shulman. I like Brian Shulman. He's a good guy. Often hangs out with Kevin Wise. <laughs> I don't know. That's probably not true. And speaking of Kevin Wise, he's next on our shout outs. Kevin Wise, this is me shouting out to you. You are wise indeed, sir. You are indeed. And Kevin. I'm sure he gets that all the goddamn time. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> It's a cool name. It's a cool name. I'd say yeah. it's not. Not as interesting as Sean Lawlor, though. Mr. Temzu. The famous Mr. The famous Temzu. Mr. Temzu. We also have Garrier, of course. How could we not? It would be a disservice to all people named Garrier. <laughs> and then David Van Pelt related to Lucy and Linus. And Ice Abyss, which sounds like Ice Abyss, which is kind of Which cool. just means that I now need to say, Ice, you know what you did. <laughs> You know what you did. Kurt Fortenberry. And Mauron. I mean, are we still saying Mauron's name right? I think it's like Moron. Moron. Sean C. Red. You got a shout out. (laughs) Jeffrey Voss. Mighty Matthew Cox. We also got Red Ion. And then Angus Young Zapita. Angus Young is an awesome guitar player. And Zapita is fun to say. (laughs) So we're going to cut to a track. And like I said, when we get back, we're going to get into Spoiler Country USA. This is something brand new by Megaran and longtime collaborator Storyville, who've dropped their first large-scale joint project together. It's a record called Soul Veggies, and it's some immaculately produced hip-hop, as you'll soon hear. The album's available digitally right now, but if you want to hear it on wax, you can pre-order it on Turnip Purple Vinyl. This is a track called React. So, thank you for listening, or we'll see you on the other side. Punch it to light speed, Chewie. What do you mean it's broken? <laughs> God damn it, I told you to fill up when we stopped at that gas station. Listen, I don't care if she was giving you the winky eye. All right, that's fair. <laughs> React like flames the moss. Heat might make you change your course. The game is lost. Unlike anything you ever came across, bring the boss, flames get tossed. And a little bit of riddle in the rhythm is a bit of a stimulant. We get it in straight punk rock, skip the middlemen. John Rambo riding with sand pro with wild ammo. Fools get canceled. Hold on, let me get my cape on. This is creation, not pre-shorn. This is Philadelphia, where we say John and chicks rock hair extensions and tape on. Stop fronting, move like you got something to prove. And do what until the cops coming. And if they ask about that commotion, react, move, don't hold back the motion. Loom me to the bin, screw loose up in my head. I hear music and it says, get moving to it, yes. I'm crazy in the cranium, maybe I'm cracking up. Maybe I got mania, baby, I'm 
freaking nuts And pills and penicillin ain't chillin' calming me down This prescription that I'm fillin' ain't really helping me out I should've been committed a minute ago Admitted and thrown into a padded prison to sit in alone I get in the zone, then I give it a go Hip-hop jacks and pilot mixed with Vincent Van Gogh Blood, sweat, and tears in my crap, that's devotion React, move, don't hold back the motion React From the rafters, boombox, bass, punch holes in the plaster. Give me more, give me, give me more on the board. Turn LED meters red when my foot hit the floor. Or you could have it your way. Drums do the talking, bass do the walking. DJ cut the record, I host the ceremony. I don't hold hegemony more the merrier. Get them in the door, ready to the floor. Melody and chords rock steady on the pulse. Penny for your thoughts, ready on the draw. Shit heavy in your drawers. Got your old granny's old gramophone on the song. React. Beats conversation, rhymes penetrate through deep concentration. Learn from the great ones till they turn from each one. Teach one, and everybody hate one. Stop teaching, I was tired of the knuckleheads. Ironically, I never did what my mother said. Left education without a trace of hesitation or trepidation. Been trailblazing ever since. 06 focus, Storyville, and me for evidence. Uh, the rap styles are theories from Pascal. They were an inheritor and it can't be passed down. Yeah. We're back. Star Wars Rebels. Let's talk about this. The first season is done, and oh my god, the entire galaxy has now opened up to us. Yeah, not only galaxy, but like continuities. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because it is, this is the official bridge between the Clone Wars and Rebels. Spoiler alert, Ahsoka's not dead. Yeah, so Ahsoka. We called it, but so did everybody else. Yeah, yeah it's okay. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that she wouldn't show up, but I totally foresee that it was going to happen, you know? I'm just cautious about what they're going to do with her but it opens up so many cool things because you have a properly trained jedi who not only trained with like the best but trained with anakin and she's the lead of the rebels and it's it's that relationship that started is kitty and stupid and developed into something that was awesome and it needs to end with her death it doesn't need to yes it does it does it does it probably will it but i fucking better it must and i'm not what 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 has more impact though if first anakin kills his master and then later his apprentice or his apprentice first and then later his master um pose a good question you have i would say (laughs) kills his apprentice first it's probably master first but i'll accept apprentice first because she needs to die and i'm not saying just because i didn't particularly care for the clone wars i just mean because from it's a story like standpoint, she, she'd be yeah, distracted. She just she cannot be part of the Rebel Alliance at the time that Luke has admitted to it. Like that is just she cannot. I don't care how big it is. I don't care how many layers of secrets she's, yeah, she's because behind. Isn't she gonna know that the man who blew up the Death Star knew Obi Wan fucking Kenobi and uh, is maybe sort put of a two young and two together? Yeah. Well, not even that. Just not even that. Who who he is. But his name is Skywalker. His name is Skywalker. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, come on. It's like yeah. there's way too many unanswered questions. It's She needs to die before New Hope happens. Star Wars Rebels went from being about a ragtag group on a planet way out in the boonies to now it's at this point where 
They didn't even realize there were other rebel cells. They made themselves known in the last story arc in a big way to the entire galaxy that there was resistance, and it actually inadvertently forced the Rebel Alliance to show their hand, basically, and become something more because of their actions. It was really well done, and the final story arc of the season, which involved a guest appearance from Yoda, who finally connected with Kanan and Ezra. When we heard that Frank Oz was going to be Yoda in this, we were like, oh god, how's this, what, okay. But no, it was great. It's also, I think, the first time that Frank Oz has done Yoda in years. For the most part, it's been Tom Kane. It's hard to approach these things from a vacuum, but now that they're doing this, you know, whole unified canon thing, you know, it's hard to blank the idea of an alliance out of your head. But if you really go from the prequels through Clone Wars and then, you know, you finish Revenge of the Sith and now you have this sort of overarching empire, it it was cool to see the way it had sort of like led us into where a new hope is going. That it's like, oh, wait a minute, they stand a chance, you know, like they're all going to quietly band together and do something about it. And quite frankly, at this point, though, I think the show is going to need the Empire to really throw down the gauntlet. Like, I really want season two to be a sort of Empire Strikes Back Mm -hmm. sort of feel where we really get the idea that like when they do finally have that first major victory that A New Hope talks about, that it really is the first major victory they've had. Because right now the Empire is not scary enough. I mean, this is this is playing much in the same territory that the Forced Unleashed video games had toyed around with, you know, the birth of the rebellion. Mm-hmm. And well, I haven't seen anything that directly contradicts it necessarily, especially if Kanan's group didn't know that there were additional rebel cells out there. This feels more natural and like a proper rebellion as opposed to Vader's apprentice slash new Sith happened to also start the rebellion. It feels more organic. It feels a lot better in the show. Is yeah, just, it still is Vader's apprentice. Yeah, but in a better way. <laughs> Just saying. It's not Star I, I Killer. Say, I, still, I still was always impressed with the idea, though, that the Emperor inadvertently created the Rebellion by bringing all the cell leaders so that he could wipe them all out at the same time, but then he accidentally brought them together so they could actually talk. And then it was like, hey, guys, let's team up. But, you know, hey, what's cool is one of the better Clone War arcs, maybe it was the purpose at the time, but one of the better Clone War arcs actually involved Ahsoka and Anakin helping the rebel movement on Onderon to overthrow their separatist government to reestablish the Republic on Onderon. And she is a rebel. And yeah, and it ends up working really well with rebels because it's like she's an expert at this. You know, it was guerrilla warfare and, you know, there's a lot of uh, subterfuge, you know, like kidnapping leaders and their government and everything else. And now it lends itself to her being a seasoned leader of the early rebellion because she's been through it. That's a very, very, very good point. Onderon sounds a lot like Alderaan, and I just realized Alderaan is the perfect place to get rid of Ahsoka when the time has come. <laughs> hey, I mean, oh, it, it, well, shit. I mean, still, Bell Organa's death is off screen on Alderaan. It's funny that this character that now has been established, he was relevant in the Clone Wars series. You know, he was on screen for episodes two and three. He's been in Rebels, and where is his death within the sequence of the films is on a planet off screen. Oh, God, and it could even tie in to where that Ahsoka was sticking around as a bodyguard for Bale because as he's rising in importance. Oh, makes sense. Yeah, this is that's, this that's is actually good. a really poetic death for <laughs> Ahsoka, too. And, and the thing is, for the kids, if, if, it won't have to be violent. All it has to be is like, oh, Master Ahsoka, uh, we're going to go on this dangerous mission. Where are you going? Oh, I'm going back with Organa back to Alderaan. We're going to wait there for you and we'll see you at we'll I see you when this is all. I just got over. chills the idea of cuz you have Han bringing not only Luke to potentially meet Ahsoka, 
but also Obi-Wan, her former master's master that she and if used they to had fight met, alongside. Dude, imagine what would have happened if Alderaan didn't blow up. It would have been like, the, the Rebel Alliance would have wanted that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just makes sense. To all of a sudden have three fucking Jedis. Yeah, and like, so you could even have a scene where Organa is like, uh, oh, uh, I, I believe uh, General Kenobi is still alive. And Ahsoka's like, I know him. You know, it's like, <laughs> so let's go to, yeah, let's go to Alderaan, wait for him to arrive. Totally easy i actually would like a slow death for ahsoka in the final episode where she tells you know bail organa or whoever it is kenobi's alive on tatooine go get him he's the only hope now it'd be cool if she calls him like he's our last hope and then you know the next movie is a, a new movie. hope that that's beautiful let's write it now yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think uh something like that's gonna happen and rebels has proven itself to have the chops for that in this last sequence like bringing tarkin into the show forcing the inquisitor i mean like there were two characters who were supporting characters uh imperials that had been kind of like the respective sheriffs that just were always getting fucked over by the rebels they both got decapitated by the inquisitor in a really gruesome scene it was off panel but like you saw what happened he fucking popped their heads off it was disturbing it was very important for them to establish when tarkin got there to say you guys have been fucking up not to say like, oh, this is imperial efficiency and they're just better than us, but him to literally say, you guys have been not good at your job. And now you're dead. Yeah. Because that's how the empire works. You're only as good as your last success. And if you don't have one of those, you're dead to me. And the, other, the other thing was that, one, Vader is going to be all over the second season, it looks like. And two, the Inquisitor maybe died? It seems like he probably died. He fell into an explosion, which is more than Darth Maul fell into. But <laughs> if you fall into a hole, chances are you're okay. Unless so, you're Mace Windu. Yeah. <laughs> There's not much we know about what's coming other than what we've just talked about and that it's good. And also Sarah Michelle Gellar is going to be in a reoccurring role in season two. Which is exciting. And Sam Witwer. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's actually playing uh, Emperor Palpatine. Weird. What? There's a YouTube video with him doing the Emperor voice, and it's actually really good. Like, well, really good. Link to that on this episode's page? Yeah, for real. It's nice to see Sam Witwer still involved, because as much as I just voiced some discontent with The Force Unleashed, I really liked him as Starkiller, and there yeah. were elements of that game that I really enjoyed. One last thing is that uh, it seems like maybe what we never really understood about the Jedi tradition of building your own lightsaber is that it's okay to get really weird with it. In fact, it's actually encouraged. Like, just look at the Inquisitor's weird spinny dual blade, and then the fact that Ezra's lightsaber I thought it was going to be stupid. It ended up being pretty cool. The blaster lightsaber thing of like, I'm not supposed to be a Jedi, but I'm always going to have my lightsaber on me and you're never going to fucking know because it looks like a fucking staple gun. <laughs> 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 but let's dive into the cherry on the top of this episode, the film rumors for episode seven, starting with Han dies. Yeah, maybe. Which just means that Harrison Ford finally gets his wish. Right. Some people have even suggested that it could have been a contractual stipulation. I'll do one I, film. I'm going to go ahead and say, I mean, I'm not, I, I don't know, obviously, but I, I'm going to say I, I really believe 90% likely that's going to happen. It makes sense. And as much as it pains me to say goodbye to the character, I've kind of already said goodbye to him. Because it's mm -hmm. been a long time since Harrison Ford was in Han Solo's boots. So it's going to be nice to see yeah. him. He'll be able to die a hero's death. I thought we'd never see it again anyway. You know, the, the, the fact that we're getting anything is yeah. like, you know, pretty good. Word is he's going to be killed by Kylo Ren, the tri-blade saber dude. And it's going to take place in, quote, the ramparts of the evil castle, which is something we have seen art for. 
and that uh, Finn, Ray, Chewbacca, and the droid BB-8 will be in the scene, and Chewbacca freaks the fuck out, but the characters have to flee. Like A New Hope, where Obi-Wan is struck down, Yeah, and uh, they have to flee. We got leaked art of Han and Chewie from the movie, actually. Not much to report, though um, the leaked action figure image shows that, at least at first, there's no robo-arm for Chewie, which is something we did see in the early concept art. Perhaps a wound suffered during the battle with Triblade that kills Han? Could be. Oh. Now, Leia, word is she's going to be queen. That makes sense. Queen of what? Something. (laughs) (laughs) Amidala was queen, but she was elected, you know? Yeah, but her planet still exists. Such a stupid, stupid George Lucas thing. Like, (laughs) I want royalty, but I'm really big in democracy still. Ugh, that's so annoying. Leia is queen. She was de facto queen when her planet blew up. Yeah, yeah, because her parents were queen were gone. and the and the only citizen left, really. Unless you want to count the ones that are scattered all throughout the galaxy. Unless they're gonna do like, well, you know, here you go with uh, uh, Jar Jar Abrams again with uh, destroying Vulcan. Spock has to go rebuild society with the scattered Vulcans who are left over. Maybe that's what a uh, Queen Leia's been up to, trying to rebuild an, uh, an which, Alderaan colony. which is actually part of the plot for the Princess Leia comic book. No kidding. Yeah. Word is she's estranged from Han. Most of this comes from makingstarwars.net, big source of, uh, of leaks. Our leak and, was Patton Oswalt. <laughs> uh, quote, a sequence in which Han Solo and the princess meet for the first time, though they said princess, not queen, and uh, it's described as awkward, but they still have a bickering love-hate relationship, and uh, just before he leaves on the final mission, Han says to Leia, I'll hurry back. I do want Lando mm-hmm. to be involved in that little love triangle. <laughs> well, well, well. I, I, That's did. what makes it awkward. It's like, goes and it's like, oh, oh, Leia, I didn't know you'd be here. And then behind it's like, Leia, who's at the front door? Oh, what do we have here? <laughs> you scoundrel. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know how I was saying before? Actually, Leia's dad. Also, actually, the father of her kids. No. <laughs> Confirm. I want that awkward scene where Han is at the front door trying to get the door open <laughs> and Lando's like he steps up he's like look uh, Leia doesn't want to talk to you you gotta understand it's been a long time just like this the, <laughs> the most basic scene you'd see in any movie but it's just Billy D and Harrison Ford Star Wars the rom-com points at him it's like I said let me in <laughs> Han I'm sorry <laughs> Star Wars 7 News says uh Leia is actively involved in a plot to destroy a secret weapon known as the catapult, which is where some of the stuff you were talking about, Matt, comes in. Allegedly, Mm -hmm. she has a secret upper sleeve called the sledgehammer. Oh, gosh. I hear all those things about Han and Leia being sort of in an estranged relationship, which, you know, I'm I'm not comfortable with. I mean, Return of the Jedi seemed to be pretty uh, clear that they were... uh, you know, ironing yeah. out their their differences, and Luke exited the triangle gracefully. And Luke exited the triangle was his sister. <laughs> well, I mean that helps. <laughs> um, establishing relations is a good way to exit a love triangle. <laughs> Some would say it's the best way to exit a love triangle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Any idea what this uh, catapult might be? No, that's actually part of the not knowing the why. Is, is all I keep hearing is most of the movie essentially revolves around the idea of running away with information about a super weapon and trying to stay one step ahead of those who want to rein in that information. And I haven't heard what the super weapon is, what it can do. Actually, the catapult is the first I'm actually hearing the name. And part of Han's sacrifice involves getting those that know things about it away. In some ways, it, it really does seem very small scale. It's not very... Um, well, it sounds a heck of a lot like A New Hope to me. True, but I'm not feeling that there's like a Yavin moment. 
where all of a sudden we got like your full military going against, you know, the might of the enemy. That's I, I mean, true. I could be wrong about that. I actually think we might get that from what I'm hearing at the beginning of the movie is that Finn, he is an Imperial and that he becomes disillusioned with the Empire because he witnesses the might of the Empire in the beginning of the film, you know, up close and personal. And he's just tired of it. We may get that Yavin moment, but the Empire winning, think Hoth and uh, like might get it at the beginning of the film. I could go through a loose plot if you wanted. <laughs> Do it. I don't know how much our, you guys or our listeners want to hear. Oh, this is the spoiler th- that's, section. That's what this is. This is if that's you made it this far about. and you don't want to hear it, then you've already gone too far. Well, essentially, from what I understand is that both uh, Finn and Poe escape from a Star Destroyer that's above this desert planet. And they escape using a TIE fighter. And that TIE fighter crashes onto the desert planet, which I don't believe. I, actually, I'm not sure if it's Tatooine or not. Once again, I don't know the how or why. but. I know the what, but essentially that's them not being able to successfully fly a TIE fighter and end up crashing the TIE fighter on the planet. And from there, they end up running into Ray and end up, uh, I also believe, meeting up with Lupita's character, which is a CG character that actually the one that's in all the concept art, the short right. one in the cantina. And like the rumor is that is who she is voicing and digitally acting as, which is a shame because I think she's one of the most strikingly beautiful people on the planet right now. But because of that, it makes her almost look alien because she's so perfectly built in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I feel like they're missing out on the characteristics that would place her so well in that universe. And they're just making her a CG character, which is a shame because she's a great actress and she looks naturally so alien. Are you an angel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think they hire the Falcon. They actually steal the Falcon. I think Han and Chewie are still on board, but that clip from the trailer of them flying on the desert planet is actually them trying to haphazardly escape from the desert planet. And then from there they end up, uh, I believe trying to find Luke and Luke is actually, he's been missing for years. Like he's gone into like some sort of hermitage and that is that they filmed in Ireland, that sort of Mm -hmm. fortress planet. And I believe they go to try to find him. And then Kylo Ren is also trying to track them down and, From what I understand, this information they have is apparently a lightsaber. I don't know how it plays into the super weapon, but this is why I really do believe that Rebels and and the Tarkin novel and everything else is giving very broad hints because they keep on dropping hints that the Death Star super laser is essentially a Jedi's lightsaber perverted. It's based off of lightsaber crystals. Like it uses the same type of crystals that a Jedi lightsaber has. Somehow like this antique lightsaber or whatever That is what Kylo Ren is trying to bring back for the Empire. You know, at some point they ends up with Luke. And I think this is actually where Han dies and, you know, everything else. And what I've heard points to a different structure. Basically, they escape at the end. Yeah. What I've heard is then this seems crazy, but I've heard it from multiple places that you don't see Luke until the end of the movie. Yeah. That they finally get to him at the very end. When you do see him, he looks like hell. He's been at the tomb of an old Sith Lord. He's been experiencing severe mental torture whilst protecting the tomb from ghosts of the past, present, and future. He's wizened but crazed. His eyes twitch and are bloodshot. His robe is tattered, ripped. His beard is scraggly. His hair is gray and long. He looks like hell because he's been putting himself through hell, protecting something. And then they come to him, pull him on the road to adventure, and the movie ends with an empire that strikes back like, oh shit, what's going to happen to propel the next movie? And I've heard that potentially all three of these main new characters are Force-sensitive. And I mean, I've also heard that they, you know, Daisy Ridley may or may not be like, a, you know, Han's daughter. But from what I understand is in some way, the three main young characters are 
potentially all force sensitive. And this may end up being now that they have Luke with them. The new generation of Jedi starting is these three characters wand. And I've also heard that Andy Serkis, his character is actually a voice that Luke is hearing from the tomb, which would tie wow. in. That actually sounds pretty badass. That would, <laughs> no, that would that would Gollum, tie in. Gollum. <laughs> no, I mean because I mean they've said that his was the voice in the trailer, so that would tie in yeah. with him being the voice in the trailer, uh, and why it seems somewhat omniscient that something yeah, yeah. is stirring. Have you felt it? You know, yeah. Have you? I felt want um, it? a spinoff movie that's just like Castaway. But with Luke on that island, <laughs> talking to a dead Sith Lord that he can't see. Will son. <laughs> that's that's some that's, hot shit. That's all I got, Matt. Is there any other ones you've heard? I think that's our tapestry of, of episode seven right here. We'll see how right we are. We'll come back in a, a few months and find out. Yeah. So I think that about does it for State of the Empire this time. I mean, Star Wars Celebration is next month, so we should be back lickety split if we can. The sooner we're on the road to getting full-time editors, the sooner we can make State of the Empire a regular thing. This year is fucking DEFCON 1. Is that, is that, the, is that the best? I think so. I think it goes from 5 to 1. Yeah, okay, it's 1. We're already at 1. We're in a serious situation here, so if you can, please support us. If you can't, tell a friend who might enjoy some of the programming on Nerdy Show or State of the Empire specifically, or hit us up on Amazon, nerdyshow.com slash Amazon. Just click through the link, do all your shopping that way. Help us get on the road to making State of the Empire a regular thing. And if you can, go to patreon.com slash nerdyshow and take advantage of all the awesome stuff that we've got for you, including some clips from this episode. We talked about movies and it wasn't relevant. Yeah, so that's that cut right out. But uh, coming soon to a Patreon perk near you. Taking us out is another track by Eclectic Method with some dark side dubstep. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Doug. Bye, I'm the perpetually wrong Tony. Bye, I'm Matt. Welcome. I have been expecting you. I'm looking forward to completing your training. In time, you will call me Master. Turn to the dark side.
by the dark side. Wasted by the dark side. Start down the dark path towards the dark side. Tempted by the dark side. Mm, the dark side clouds everything. Thanks for listening to Nerdy Show. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes or like and follow us on SoundCloud. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes and SoundCloud. Leave a comment, like and share, and follow Nerdy Show on all of your favorite social networks. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. How do Tuscan Raiders celebrate their child's first birthday? Probably involves a lot of, like, blood, animal sacrifice, maybe, like... In single file to hide no. their numbers? By placing flowers on their grave. <laughs> <laughs> This is more of like a Johnny Carson sort of stand-up uh, one-liner. It says, uh, It was so cold on Hoth, I once saw a Corellian with his hands in his own pockets. <laughs> <laughs> R2-D2's a butt plug. <laughs>